Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Do you know that Linda, my wife, is more important to me than pastoring this church. Understand, you're very important to me. I love teaching you. I love trying to shepherd you. But my priorities in life are God, my wife, my kids, and your fourth. Sorry. Many times family problems happen because the priorities in life get in the wrong order. Lots of times that disorder begins by not having God in your life at all, which makes getting and keeping the others in order impossible. Even pastors who teach about such things all the time struggle in this area. Pastor Mark, in teaching about our need to be obedient to God, will be addressing the priorities in life and which order they actually should come in. He will talk about God's original plan for us and his original plan for work and how we got off track because of the fall in the garden. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Genesis chapter 2 with part 3 of his message, Because God says so, I will do marriage, family, and dating God's way. After this surgery, Adam wakes up in the recovery room and he looks beside the bed and there's Eve standing naked next to Adam. Now, Adam is also naked. They didn't have those gowns that you have to tie behind that you're always naked anyway. They see your tush wherever you're walking. How many have been there? Come on. Yeah, you lose it all in the hospital, don't you? Well, Adam's stark naked and there, so he wakes up in his bed and, and basically Adam says this, Gee, am I dreaming or am I still under anesthesia? Is it really you? Is what I'm seeing really real? And Eve says, you're not dreaming. What you see is what you get. And she said, by the way, I'm feeling great. My headache is gone. If you're not married yet, you won't get it, but you will eventually get it. (laughs) And Adam looks at Eve, and he sits up, and he says this. He starts singing, something good is going to happen to me this very day. It'll get worse the next couple weeks. (laughs) He said, Pastor Mike, there's no way that happened. Are you kidding me? After he watched all those couples walk by? Yes. And there's no headache? That's fantastic. Now, go back to verse 18. 
how did we get here? And the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Sometimes when we look at Eve, helper, we have the wrong picture. Well, Eve is kind of under the man. She's, the woman is not worth as much as the man. Wait a minute. Eve and Adam were made in the image of God. How can two people be made in the image of God and one is under there? Forget it. We're equals. Those of you that are dating, it's not good for the man to be alone. One of the reasons, well, two of the reasons. First reason, I already know why you're dating. We all know why you're dating sexually. We're, we have that great desire God put in us. But what's the other reason? You don't want to be alone. You want to do life together. So a helper is someone who assists another in reaching fulfillment. A companion who supplies what the other spouse is lacking. God designed marriage to eliminate loneliness. That's a helper. Can I say to you something? In some of your homes, the spouse is lonely, but they're afraid to say it. One of the main reasons for marriage is not to feel lonely. Good thing to ask your spouse, do you feel lonely? Can I help that? What, what can I do? That's a real problem. Should never feel lonely in a marriage. I can tell you after more than 50 years with my wife that God knew exactly that Linda would be the one who could supply what I was lacking. He knew we together would never reach God's potential without each other. You see, God provided a helper, a partner, it's coming, a companion to complete man. Ask yourself, are you a helper? Are you a partner? Are you a companion to complete your marriage? You see, Linda never knew that she would be a pastor's wife, but God just gifted her and helped me. I never thought I'd be a pastor, but in our marriages, things change. And this simply says to us, woman was made to meet man's inefficiency, deficiency. I'm not complete without my spouse. And same for Linda. There's a beautiful Jewish tradition that says this. God made woman, not out of man's foot to be under him, nor out of the head to be over him, but she was taken from under his arm that he might protect her and next to his heart that he might love her. Your spouse is equal to you, and you need each other. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. So, look at the next verse 24. Watch what happens. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. What God did, of course, not for Adam and Eve, because they didn't have parents. But for every couple after that, they would come from parents. Everybody's here. 
because you had a mom and dad that didn't really know it, but they obeyed God and made love and produced you. That's why we're all here. So there comes a time in our lives when a new unit is formed. Here it is. God designed marriage as a new unit. You leave the old relationship and you make your spouse now number one. When our kids are teenagers, we would like them to always leave. Would you just please leave? (laughs) But when they get ready to get married, there's a problem in many homes because moms and dads don't want to lose their daughter or their son. But see, God's solution is to leave. All leave means is this. Leaving means the other relationships are less important than the new relationship of marriage. It doesn't mean we don't honor our parents. It doesn't mean we don't honor our friends that we have and all of those things and in-laws. It simply means the new unit is a husband and a wife. And that spouse is to be number one. Now, if you're a Christian parent today and your kids are getting married and they're doing it right, they're going to marry a believer, whatever, and you're fighting over that, I've tried to resolve so many of those things through the years. Go back to the Bible. You're you're at fault. You're wrong. You have to let them be who they are. Same thing. When you get married and you had 25 girlfriends, if you're a gal, and you're a guy and you got some guys that you like to play golf with or go bowling with or whatever. When you get married, you have a new unit. They're still friends to you. They're very important to you. But you you can't go out like you did before you were dating, and you're going to go three nights bowling and playing golf on the weekend every weekend, and your wife's going to have 24 girls over here, and they're going out every night. Why in the world did you get married? The spouse comes first. Of course you can have girlfriends and go out once in a while, guys, once in a while. But the unit has changed. There's a new responsibility there. Do you know something? I want to add one more. The new unit, for some of you, same for all of us. Be careful. Your career is not your spouse. Many marriages get destroyed because the husband or wife, their career comes before the spouse. The money the name, the power, it'll destroy your marriage. You'll end up divorced. The new unit is a husband and wife. That's the new unit designed by God. Not a bad thing. It's a great thing, but we fight it all. Now, I want to share something with you. Do you know that Linda, my wife, is more important to me than pastoring this church? Understand, you're very important to me. I love teaching you. I love trying to shepherd you. But my priorities in life are God, my wife, my kids, and your fourth. Sorry. Does a pastor have to fight that? Very much. You could be number one. I could easily let that happen. But that would destroy my marriage, and that would destroy the church. Think how many pastors... God help me, have fallen away, adultery, all kinds of stuff, because this became their God. And the marriage at home wasn't healthy. And because of that, Satan knows how to attack us. So I want to say, I love you, but I love my wife more. Thank you. Okay. Now, notice in that verse, 
For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother to be united to his wife. Leave, leave, new unit, united to his wife and they'll become one flesh. Here it is. United is a word that we would use today, superglued. It means you form a, a oneness. You become one. And it's permanent. <laughs> That's the way it was designed. So here's what you want to write. God designed marriage for oneness. I'll explain that to you in a moment. A unified, permanent team. Complete and whole. With God, husband and wife that love God, family, no perfect marriages, no perfect families. We're a unit. Oneness can be defined as Basically, in agreement with God's will for our lives and with our spouse. The key to oneness is the word companionship, team. Amos 3.3 says it like this. Do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so? You can't do that. Now, some of you are too young to remember But where this oneness comes together, how we need one another, is in the old days, we would take a trip in a car. We didn't have Google directions. And the man always knew where to go. He didn't need his wife. Until they got to a dead end. And then what does the wife do? She gets out the map. We didn't have Google. And she's unfolding this map. He said, well, hurry up, find out where you're supposed to be going. Hurry up, come on. I needed my wife, otherwise we never get into that house. Do you understand? Can two walk together unless they agree? That's why you can't marry an unbeliever. Because you will never agree on the basic things of life. Now, when you see that companionship, marriage is not about we. It's focused on that foundation of we. And what is the we? It's not just a husband and wife. Listen, it's God, spouse, spouse. But many times we do marriage like me. Never me, always a three, we. Now, when God glues us together, we become one physically, emotionally, and spiritually. What affects one affects the other. When a spouse gets sick, does it affect the other spouse? Of course. That's the way it works. Why? Because we're one. We're one. And God puts us together. While I was sick all that time last year, my wife, it affected her hugely. She was by my side. I couldn't have done it without her. Same for all of you. And see, that's the end of that loneliness. We learn to live together in kind of a peaceable agreement. It's hard. It's hard. Now, look at verse 25. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Write this down. We'll cover this more. God designed marriage for intimacy. Intimacy is not just sexuality. It is. It's a wonderful gift from God. But it's sexual, it's spiritual, and it's relational. See, a great definition of intimacy is this. Intimacy, into me see. It's being real. You see what you get. And many times we want to hide what we're really feeling from ourselves. That's not right. 
because I can't solve something if I know, i.e., like you're lonely and I didn't know it. Well, God will help me. So understand, Adam and Eve were naked. They weren't ashamed. There was an openness. There was an intimacy. No sin had come yet. Later it will. And honesty. Now, a real close relationship in a life comes because we allow ourselves, our spouse, to see into us what we're feeling. So here's a definition now. I want you to write it down. This is not a church definition. This is a definition of what we decided today. As we went through the scripture, this is God's definition of marriage. Here it is. Marriage was designed by God, not man, not a church, to be monogamous, one spouse, heterosexual, man and a woman, and permanent. That's the design of marriage from God. That's the idea. That's exactly what he wants. So that means one man, one woman, united by God for life. What does the world think of that definition? So we have lots of people that are homosexual. We have lots of people that are lesbians. We have people doing threesomes and all kinds of stuff. Uh, Eventually, probably we're going to have polygamy again. It'll probably come back. You can see the way all that goes. And so sometimes we have this feeling, understand what I'm going to say to you. We have this feeling, well, we don't want those people around here. Well, let me ask you a question. You're a Christian, and you just committed adultery on your wife. Was adultery a sin? Hello? Of course it is. If you're living with your boyfriend, and you're not married, and you say you're a Christian, is that a sin? Yeah, it is. See, we like to categorize sins. When we see it in our if, if you're a man or woman and you're lusting on the websites, is that a sin? Yeah, Pastor Mark, I didn't do anything. Oh, no, you, ever, you did it. You did it in your heart. So here's what I'm going to say. When there's sin, we need to be admitting it and asking God to forgive us. So I have people often write me as the pastor of the churches. I'm homosexual, I'm lesbian, whatever. Would I be welcome at your church? You know what my answer is? Exactly. You're welcome like everybody. Come on in. Some of you get it. Pastor Mark, what's wrong with you? Listen. When you commit adultery and then ask God to forgive you, are you still welcome? Of course. But you have to ask him. So here's my response to people. Everybody's welcome. Everybody. But then I say this. You need to know that we teach the Bible. And we teach what God says. And all of us are in a mode of changing. To match what God's word said. So you can come, but you won't be allowed to stay in that mode any more than you can continue to conduct adultery and be used in leadership. Not a chance. So do you understand? How did we get here, all of us? Grace and forgiveness. Hello, woman at the well. If I introduce you to that woman this morning and say, here's the woman that committed adultery five times and she's living with a guy. You say, Pastor Mark, what are you using that as an example for? Because God forgave her and she changed her life. Do you understand? So we don't hate those people at all. We hate their sin. Because it's going to destroy. None of those other lifestyles can produce a baby. Which is the first commandment to the husband and wife. But we love them and hope. You say, well, they can't change. Pastor Mark, you know, when you just said that... Let's update the Bible. No, culture needs to be updated to match the Bible. You say, well, I think that definition is outdated. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will. 
New Testament, Matthew chapter 19. Quickly, Matthew chapter 19. This is thousands of years after the design of marriage. I already read you the design. One man, one woman, together, unified, both a relationship with God for life. Period. Watch what Jesus said. The Jewish leaders were trying to figure out what's legal with getting a divorce. And by the way, there are scriptural exceptions that you can get a divorce. I don't have time to go through that today. But watch what you see in chapter 19, verse 4. Here's Jesus speaking to Jewish leaders. Haven't you read? What did we just do today? We read scripture. Not the church's doctrine. God's doctrine, the designer of you and marriage and home. Jesus says, haven't you read? He replied that at the beginning, the creator made them, say it with me, male and female. He did not make two males for marriage. He didn't make two females. He did not make a male and an animal. Don't laugh. It's a horrible sin in the Bible. He did not make two women for Adam. He made one. Go on. And he said, for this reason, since I have a man and a woman in relationship with each other and with me, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, they're super glued. Let no man separate. By the way, does that sound familiar to you? It's exactly what we read in the New Testament. Jesus basically says this, the design and the definition of marriage, listen to me, I'll say it kindly, will never change. Our government can redefine it all they want, but God's definition will never change because it's perfect. It's perfect. Now be careful because none of us are perfect. So that's why we have divorce. That's why we have all these things that happen and we have to work through it. Now, Pastor Mike, that's great, but I can't do it like that. Yes, you can. Whatever God commands us to do, he enables us to do it. We saw this morning that marriage in the home is God designed. And then it's God directed. And then it's God empowered. See, you are not doing marriage alone because God is at the top. If you're a Christian this morning, God is at the top. God is at the top. He has designed us like we are. He knows my wife. He knows me. He knows the things that we struggle with. And he knows the blessings as he has helped to direct our lives and overcome those things because he empowers us. Let's read this last line. Here we go. There are no do-overs in life, but everyone can start over. When we get frustrated with our spouse, it's important to remember that we both came from Adam. As Pastor Mark has been reminding us, we were intended to complete one another. Sin and the fall has complicated the unification process, but God's intent remains. It would be beneficial for us to meditate on what we were taught through the message today. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. 
feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. In the next teaching, Pastor Mark will continue on the topics of marriage, family, and dating. He will talk more about God's intent for families and for relationships between unmarried men and women. We'll learn about God's intent for marriage to be a covenant rather than a contract. We will also learn about the differences between the two and why that's important. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.